This morning, I'd like to focus your attention for just a few minutes to the idea of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Rarely, when I am preparing a lesson, do I get a modern-day application that morning. This morning, as I was preparing to leave for services, I had on the television, on the CBS Morning News, and there was their lead episode, or the lead story, on those who are millennials. And the question was asked, are they narcissistic? And what that simply means is, are they hung up on themselves? Are they confident? In fact, not just confident, overconfident. And there was the mention of a book by the name Generation Me. And as the interviewer went on, he talked about the fact that many of these young people were extremely overconfident that they had expectation of being praised, paid more, and promoted even though they may have only just done their job. However, before you become too accusatory toward those who are millennials, you must remember that it is those of us who are parents of millennials who reared them that way. We taught them how to think. We taught them how to reason. And uh, one of the young men on the program, when they was asked, he said, I'm it. Now the question comes up. When we start thinking of ourselves, spiritually speaking, does the Bible have anything to say about being overconfident? In fact, about self-confidence, if you will. Does the Bible have anything to say about being proud, to be arrogant, to be conceited? Well, here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to begin by understanding pride as the Bible presents it. Then I would like for us to realize that what that ultimately does is to underappreciate the Lord. Because if I have pride in myself, that means that I think I really don't need God and I don't need Jesus because I am self-sufficient of myself. But it also undervalues other people. That means that I do not give others the same level of respect and honor that I ought to give them. And then... It underestimates the devil because the devil has actually won because he's gotten us to the point where we do not fear him nor do we fear God and we think we're able to stand and encounter and face everything. Let's begin our study. What does it mean to say to think too highly of yourself? I want you to go back with me to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 3 for just a moment as we introduce our subject. For I say, you might say, well, now, Paul, you're speaking for yourself. Paul, you are putting yourself in a position to lecture down at us. No, 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 that's not what he says. Through the grace given to me, grace, unmerited favor, the way God has blessed me and the way God has directed me, 
to everyone who is among you. Oh, it's so easy to think that God's laws applies to everyone else and not to myself. To think that everyone else is answerable but not me. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly. What he is not suggesting is a person get down on himself and be so self-deprecating to think, I can't do anything, I can't serve the Lord. To even ignore passages like Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that we think not too highly of ourselves. You see, it manifests itself in a number of areas of life. One of the best passages I can think of is Jeremiah 9 and verse 23. And Jeremiah really looked at life and how people would think about themselves. And he says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. You see, it doesn't matter whether or not you look at yourself as your education and say, as Yogi Bear would say, I'm smarter than the average bear. Or to look at your physical strength and to say, I'm stronger than these. Or to look at your wealth and to say, I buy and people sell like buy and sell people like that every day. You see, in the Bible, you can see all three of those illustrated. But Jeremiah says, let not that man glory in that. But he says, let him glory in this, that he knows me and understands me, that I am the Lord. But you see, those people who have this kind of pride, who think too highly of themselves, expect others to elevate and appreciate. That's exactly what the news article said this morning is that there's an expectation that you put me on a pedestal to some degree. Listen to Matthew 23, beginning with verse 6. They love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings by men in the marketplaces to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. And, of course, Jesus says, don't be called Rabbi. Don't be called Father. He goes on to say, don't be called teachers. And then verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Lord understands that people want to be put up on a pedestal, who want this kind of recognition. You can find people who want to put it in your face. To allow you to see, I'm stronger than you are. I'm smarter than you are. I'm richer than you are. I'm more important than you are. In 2 Kings chapter 20, old King Hezekiah was a very wealthy king. He had visitors to come to him from Babylon. And it says Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all of the house of his treasures, this gold, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all of his armory. Now, folks, think for just a moment. You go into Hezekiah's 
house of treasuries. And you're just amazed at the gold and the silver there. But it's not just that. You go to the armaments. Have you ever noticed nations that take their finest armaments and have a, a, a parade to show all of their power and all of their might? God goes on to tell Hezekiah, you see all this stuff that you bragged about? It's going to go to Babylon. We desire to show off and we want others to envy us because of our money, because of our education, because of our ability. What you have does not determine who you are. In fact, I think that needs to be repeated. What you have is not who you are. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You cannot measure a man by how much money he's got. You cannot measure a man by the number of letters that follow his name, the degrees that he has attained. You cannot measure a man by his physical powers. Well, then what do you measure a man by? You go back to Jeremiah 9, whether or not he is a child of God. But you see, as I go through the Bible, pride causes division. Pride will cause people to be separated from one another. In Proverbs 13, verse 10, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. You see people who are proud of themselves, who want others to know what they have, cause or generate strife. In fact, you go to chapter 28, verse 25, He who is a proud of heart stirs up strife. Or you go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. He says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud. Of course, then he follows up by saying, Knowing nothing. People who are proud often do not realize. They want others to look at them, to envy them. And in reality, they only become repulsive, disgusting. Nobody wants to be around a braggart. Nobody wants to be around someone who is conceited. But folks, let me be honest with you. Once pride has invaded you, once pride has taken over you, it's going to affect your relationship with God. A man cannot be arrogant, be conceited, be boastful, and be proud and be right with God. In Psalms chapter 9, really, you, you take Psalms 8 and 9 together. In Psalms 8, David's going to ask the question, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him, and crown him with glory and honor? You know, why, God, did you look at us, man, as a part of your creation and bless us so much? But then you flip the other side of the coin when you get to Psalms chapter 9 and the arrogance of men, particularly those who were David's enemies, 
and he says, Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. You see the contrast. What am I? Why have you blessed us so? And then to say, God, help us to see ourselves that we're just men. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, if you've got such an elevated view of yourself, there's no room for God in there. If you're constantly putting yourself on the pedestal, there's no place to put God there, and that's where He belongs. Isaiah 42 and verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give another, nor my praise to carved images. God will not allow the praise and the honor to go to a carved image, nor will He allow it to go to us. Obadiah speaks about the Edomites, those who live in the southern part of Jordan today, those who live just south of the Dead Sea. They lived in homes that dotted the the mountaintops. We would call them caves. And they thought themselves impregnable, and he said, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who says in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? It's deceived you. You really believe that God can't bring you down? He can. And in fact, according to Obadiah, He will. But you see, as I go and study through the Bible, I find people whose attitude is God ought to appreciate having me. The wealthy man says, God ought to appreciate me because I fund this. I take care of the church. I, I, I. The smart man says, oh, they have to have me because if I weren't here They wouldn't know what to think. They don't have enough intelligence to see it themselves. I want you to listen to Luke 18 and verse 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. God, you ought to be thankful because... I am just the best example you could ever find of one of your children. You see, that kind of arrogance looks at God and says, God, I don't need you. You need me. You need me. Some would have God obligated to them for the good that they do. I want you, as we read these few verses here from Luke, Job, and the book of Ephesians, to think, if you will, about having a set of scales here where you somehow balance them. And there are people who actually have in their mind, God, I have done this much good for you. You now owe me the salvation that I so seek and I so desire. Luke 17, verse 10 
So likewise you, when you have done all those things which were commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Jesus said, don't say, look what I've done. Say, I've done just what I was supposed to. Again, the program that I watched this morning showed a person bringing in a report that they were assigned to deliver. And they brought it in and the person said, thank you. And the person looked and said, is that all? You're not going to say more? You're not going to promote me? You're not going to give me a raise? No. Of course, the person went on and said, well, you're the assistant of this, of this, this. Oh, is that a, a promotion? Oh, yeah, you can call it that. Listen to Job 22, verses 2 and 3. This is a statement of Eliphaz. Can a man be profitable to God? Though he who is wise may be profitable to himself, is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous, or is it gain to him that you make your way blameless? Ask yourself the question, do I make God better because of who I am? You absolutely do not. None of us do. God was perfect before we ever got here. He will remain perfect long after this world ceases to exist. We don't add anything to God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, he's trying to impress upon the Ephesians the thankfulness which we ought to have toward God. And he says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now here is where I think we sometimes fail in a great way. It's when we believe that it is by our own sheer ability that we accomplish things. You see, the children of Israel, as they would go into the promised land, God had made them fight for the land. But God also allowed them to be the victor. And once they possessed the land, there was going to be a problem that would develop among them to say, look what we've done. Don't you listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Then you say in your heart, My power and my hand, the might of my hand, have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember that it is the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He spoke to your fathers as it is this day. God has given us the power, the ability to be able to get wealth. You see what a privilege God gives us. Oh, the congregation grows. Do we take any credit for it? Absolutely not. It is God's word that is the power unto salvation. 
And when you and I do what we are supposed to do, we're only fulfilling God's commands. But we have to remember the power is in His Word. In Deuteronomy 9 and verse 4, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out from before you, saying, Because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me to possess the land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. You know there comes a point in every lesson where you realize you're not going to get through. And uh, so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to reserve our final two points for our lesson tonight. But what I do want to do as we extend the Lord's invitation is to turn your focus to yourself and ask the question, does God need me? Does God need me? And the answer is no. But does God want you? And the answer is yes. The second question to ask, do I need God? And there's no doubt that every one of us need God. But the next question that follows with that, do I want God? Do I appreciate Him? Do I allow myself to look at God and say, God, I need you. I know you don't need me. God, you want me, and I want you, and I want to be pleasing to you. To do that, you've got to humble yourself. That means for you to look at yourself and say, I recognize who I am. I'm a sinner. I recognize that my sins are laid to my charge, but that Jesus Christ died on a cross shed His blood so that my sins could be washed away. And to recognize that in order to get into that blood, I have got to be obedient to His plan of salvation. God wants us to believe in Jesus Christ, His Son, to believe that He is the Son of God. John 8, verse 24, many other passages we could cite. But God also wants us to repent of our sins. And that involves some godly sorrow, some recognition of the fact that we have sinned and be sorry for it. God wants us to be willing to own up to it, who we are and what we believe when we confess Jesus as Christ, as the eunuch did in Acts 8 and verse 37. And then as an ultimate act of humility, to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Well, I know there's people out there who say, do you mean I have to go through a ritual? I have to go through a process to show that I am humbling myself before God? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. This time has been set aside for the singing of an invitation song. If you want to become a New Testament Christian, 
We encourage you to come to the front, take a seat up here. After the song is over, I'll ask you how we can help you, and you can say, I want to become a Christian. If you are a child of God and you're struggling with sin in your life, it's easy to rationalize it away. It's easy to explain it. Well, I was facing this, I was facing that, and and everything pushed me to this point. No, you made a choice. And you need to be willing to humble yourself enough to say, I recognize I made a mistake. I recognize I made a bad choice. And come back and ask God's forgiveness. Be humble enough to do that. Would you come while we stand and sing?